When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 52 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne. Cully cannot join us this evening. He is on the ice right now working with the future goalies of Western New York. But uh, we have Mike Rotolo on with me, fellow goaltender, good friend of the program. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Excited to be here. Uh, big shoes to fill for Cully, but I'm excited. Now you're, 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 you've, you've known Collie, you've been on the ice with him before as have I, you know, what's, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your synopsis of, uh, you know, Kid Collie? Man, Collie's a electric, electric guy. He's got such a good personality. He was always fun, older than me, but always fun to work with on the ice. Um, very quick reaction when he played back in the day. I remember that, um, we were younger. He's probably a, a few years older than I am, but always good. And definitely a guy you can tell that can teach the game very well and teach the position very well. Absolutely. Me and him, uh, we go back and forth a lot, uh, you know, watching games and whatnot, man. And like, there isn't many guys I know that know the game more than Jonathan Cullen. That's for sure. Yeah. I agree with you 100% on that. You know, without further ado, uh, we do have a special guest with us, uh, a preview to tonight's game against the Washington Capitals. Uh, Capitals who just ended a four-game losing streak and look to continue that success, hopefully not continue that success here in <laughs> Buffalo. We bring on Samantha Pell from the Washington Post. Samantha, how are you today? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Doing well. Uh, Doing well, doing well, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> doing well to say the least uh, in a pandemic, I guess. It's been, uh, you know, it's something new every day. I work in retail uh, with a uh, beverage company and I'm out, I'm out in the thick of it every day. So it's uh, it's it, it's different. That's for sure. Um, hopefully, you know, sooner rather than later, we'll get back to some type of normalcy. Yeah. Um, you know, again, as I stated before, we we are bringing in the Capitals tonight. Uh First, uh, first game of a two-game stint against Washington, uh, Alexander Ovechkin. I do know that um, Samsonov has been hurt. He's been uh, in Hershey, I believe, correct, That uh, nursing that injury? Yeah, so it's actually not an injury. Um, he ended up on the COVID list January oh, COVID, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he does a positive for COVID on the 19th. And so, yeah, he was just off the ice for really almost four weeks. Um, so he had a lot of symptoms. He had trouble breathing. He had trouble walking. Um, yeah, really bad symptoms for him. So they wanted to bring him down to Hershey, get him a conditioning sit in and get him a couple games. Laviolette said today that he's probably going to be with the team again, um, this weekend. So maybe see him this weekend, but for right now, yeah, he won't be in that tonight. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, you know, outside of that, you know, Vitacek, uh, who has been filling in admirably, I, we know him pretty well here in Buffalo. Um, he's put up some stellar performances against the Sabres. He was a goalie that I've actually enjoyed watching develop over the years. And, you know, everybody knows, Mike, me and Mike especially, it takes longer for goaltenders to develop. Just give us, like, a, just an overview of of his play for you guys filling in for Samsonov. And honestly, he, like I said, I know you guys just – have come off a four game skid and finally snapped that losing little bit of a losing streak. But, you know, he has been honestly a big bright spot in your season, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I'm, I think he's saved the Capitals in a lot of situations. Um, they really weren't playing their best hockey to start the year, even though they were six and three. Um, the Capitals felt like they really probably shouldn't have won a couple of those games. Vanacek probably saved the, a lot of their mistakes, kind of covered it up. And when they actually got in that four-game losing streak, it seemed like the team actually sounds weird, but the team was playing better. It's just Vanacek couldn't really cover up some of those mistakes that they were doing in the past. Um, and so it just kind of caught up to him. I mean, tonight's going to be his 12th straight start, um, which is crazy for any goaltender, but especially for a rookie goaltender, 25 years old, just getting in this league and trying to prove himself. So it'll be really interesting to see tonight, you know, how he does. But hopefully he gets some help, you know, later on to Samsonov coming back up. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, he's been he's been solid for a rookie. Obviously, a lot of places where he's looked a little bit shaky. A couple of posts have kind of bailed him out a couple of times. But overall, I mean, he's been solid. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's a very solid goalie. Um, it is tough, especially in the NHL. It's not a league you can maybe – the term would be play catch-up in or kind of learn as you yeah. go. But it is awesome when you get a guy that can get a bunch of games under his belt, get the experience. He does have a veteran team around him with guys who have been there, obviously guys who have won the Cup. Um, Laviolette, obviously – one of the longest tenured coaches with a bunch of teams in the league. Uh, Good for him to play. Obviously, stats, he has had some good games. His stats aren't the best. I mean, he does have over three goals against average. I don't even think he's cracked 90 in the save percentage. And I think that's been an issue with kind of both teams this year. Obviously, Washington has, I'd say, more depth. Um, Do you think Samsonov comes back in and kind of takes back that role, or do you think it's going to kind of be a back and forth to kind of see who's their guy going forward? Yeah, you know, that's like the biggest question I think everyone has. And honest, like, honestly, I don't know. I think right. since Samsonov has been out for, you know, four weeks, that's such a long time. I mean, if we even go back to his time last year, you know, he couldn't play in the bubble because he had an injury. Um, so he had right. to rehab that. He had a slow start. He goes into camp thinking that he's number one, ends up on the COVID list after two games. You know, can't exercise, has to go to Hershey now and do a conditioning set and come back. It's Honestly, it seems like a lot. Um, a lot of things yeah, happen absolutely. for a really young goaltender. So I'm sure mentally that has to be a lot. Physically, that has to be a lot. So I don't think he comes in and, you know, he's handed his job again. I think it's going to be a back and forth battle. It's who's ever is going to be best that night. And for right now, I mean, it's Vanacek's crease, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree either. Like I said, we, we, we yeah, I think yeah, he, he had his first career win against uh, actually us yes. here in Buffalo, too. <laughs> They played absolutely stellar. I remember, like we, I, I felt we, the Sabers played that game like, very well-rounded game that, you know, tried as best they could to score on a, you know, a goaltender playing in his first NHL, having his first NHL appearance, and we couldn't solve him really. Uh, I think we did once, uh, but you know, you guys are holding down that fourth playoff spot right now with seventeen points, seven and four, seven four and three record. Um, you know, you have two games here against Buffalo. Do you, now, you know. Do you think you're gonna be able to carry that momentum from that Pittsburgh win in here to Buffalo? Because we, we're a defeated team right now. We're obviously we had fourteen days straight off because of the the debacle with the NHL and the New Jersey Devils and uh, you know New Jersey's entire team was on the COVID list. The entire team, seventy five right. of our roster was on the COVID list. Um, and that you you spoke of Samsonov earlier dealing with the COVID symptoms. Um, we keep hearing through the grapevine here in Buffalo that Rasmus was the line and got hit really hard with uh with covid and um you know it's very we feel that might be a very similar situation for him and he's probably been our best most stable defenseman so far this year along with us yeah it is it is a huge loss very big loss and you know you know judging from just the overall this i don't want to say lack of effort from this team but it just seems that like covid really did take a toll on this team's roster the last two games yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it definitely seems like it did. Um, I, you know, from the Capitals' perspective, I think they want to try to carry that momentum into, you know, these games against Buffalo, and then they get the Rangers on Saturday and the Devils on Sunday. But, um, you know, I don't know. I think that four-game losing streak was pretty telling of where the Capitals are at right now. You know, it did seem like things were clicking, but there were a lot of problems in the defensive zone. Um, they just really couldn't figure it out. You guys kind of talked about it. Vanacek is still allowing – you know, three-plus goals a game, which is just not sustainable in this league, um, especially against some of these top teams when they go out and they play a Boston or a Philly or something like that. So I think the Capitals are fairly confident tonight. Um, but again, like Vanacek, it's his 12th start, um, a lot of games in a short amount of time. So I think we're going to see how it goes, but I would say it's a 50-50 shot tonight. And Mike, I don't know how you feel about that, but as goalies, I mean, 12 games, that's a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah. granted, I, I can't remember the last time when, you know competitively I played like six or seven in a row, let alone twelve. And you no, know, I think that plays into it. Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, it's tough. Uh, my senior year at RIT, I actually ended up playing. I think out of thirty-six games, I started thirty-four. Um, obviously, as a goalie, you love that. Obviously, you want the yeah, crease. Yeah. You want to be in the net. That's your goal. Obviously, it's never fun to be on the bench and watching, but it does take a toll. I mean, it's a lot of games. It's draining. It's a mental fatigue on you because you know you have to be there night in and night out. Um, So I'm sure, obviously, getting Samson off back would be a huge, huge lift for him as far as a mental aspect goes, where he can maybe get a break here or there and then kind of refresh that competition that they have with each other to see who is going to be the starter going forward. Yeah, I definitely – I think that's going to be a huge aspect is that competition aspect, and I think – 
even bringing kind of back, I think the Capitals had a huge loss in not having Henrik Lundqvist in the room. I think yes. they really thought that he was going to bring that mentorship, that competitiveness out of Samsonov. And now that he's gone, I mean, obviously there's nothing they can do about that. Um, everyone wishes Henrik well, but I think yeah. that was a major, major loss. And that's probably going to be the biggest what if of this capital season. And it, it's good to see him too. I, I follow him. On, I follow him on Twitter a lot. It's good to see that he's doing well after that, that procedure. You know, you know, I, I felt so bad as a goalie. I'm sure Mike would say, agree. Like as a goalie, I felt so bad. Yeah. When he had to end, end the season before it even started, but you know, health and family have to come first. And you know, it sucks because you know, outside of Buffalo, he's one of those guys I would probably root you know for to win a cup because him, guys like him, Joe Thornton. You know, guys who've you know been in the league for a very, very long time, but have never lifted the cup. It's it's guys like him I root for outside of the Sabers, and it was really deflating to see him have to call it quits for the year. You know, again before he even got to play a single game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's like a he's another like heart and soul guy, right? I think seeing him on the same team as an Alex Ovechkin, I don't think they would get a Chara then in this case. Um, if Lundqvist could play, but be a lot of guys. But no, I just Isn't think. It's, Isn't it's that wild? So wild? You would have Lundqvist, Chara, and Ovechkin all on the same team together. That's wild. That's, that's like, I would never <laughs> ten years ago if you would ask me if I would have thought that would have ever happened. Like no way. No, no way. No, no it's way. definitely insane. And like it just, I don't know. Seeing Chara like every night out there with them, or just seeing the interactions of him and Alex, I'm like, is he actually playing for the same team? Like, are they actually playing together? Oh no, this is happening. Like you saw Chara <laughs> like on the top pairing with John Carlson for like two to three games while Schultz was hurt, and people were like. He's still playing 20 minutes a night. Like, he's playing well. They're putting him out there in pressure situations when they have the lead, when they don't. Like, he's actually – he's contributing, I think, more than a lot of people thought when he came to Washington. Like My, my opinion of Chara, too, is, you know – with him, there aren't below the dots when you're when you're pinning your own. There aren't many goal uh, defensemen I would rather have on my team than Zidane Chara, just because yeah. of his size and his length and that reach with that stick. Like the stick, the, the stick dots, is the biggest thing. Yeah, where speed really doesn't isn't really as important. Where it's really positioning. Like you're not getting by Zidane Chara. Good luck, right. kid. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It right. doesn't matter who you are in this league. Good luck because below the dots, one on one, forget about it. And that's where I think he's most effective. No, absolutely. And I think especially for him, like again, I think just like that influence, that kind of teacher role that he has with some of these younger defensemen. I mean, like even his influence on John Carlson, right? Like John can grow more. He knows that he was a Norris Trophy runner-up last season. Um, just everything that I think so far John has seen through Tara, I think is super important. But then you look at a guy like you know, a Nick Jensen, who maybe also needs more of that leadership and that teacher aspect from Machara. And I think everyone just continuing to grow. And um, I mean, he, he was a captain, right, for 14 years. Like, you have him, you have Obi, um, you have a lot of guys who will speak up in the room. And I think that's what's going to help the Capitals get back on track. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, I want to ask you a question, Samantha. So you, obviously, you've been with Washington Post since I believe I saw 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you when did you make a full time transition into obviously the Capitals and the hockey scene? I was trying Definitely. to find it, but it was hard yeah. to find. <laughs> yeah. So this is my second full season uh, covering hockey. So yeah, I started last season was my first season. So I guess that's I don't even know what last year is twenty nineteen. I guess <laughs> technically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how- that's when it was. How does that, how does it compare to the other sports? I know I saw it when you were in college, you know, you covered Pac-12 football and basketball. What is your, what's your thoughts, obviously, when you compare the sports, obviously all three are different in their own aspect, but what is it like the difference between when you cover football and basketball compared to when you're covering hockey? Yeah. So I never watched any hockey actually until I started covering the Capitals. I helped a little bit in their cup run um, when they yep. won the cup, but I wasn't, you know, full on. So that was my first experience. So I think I was a little spoiled in that aspect. Of my first time <laughs> yeah. watching hockey is an Alex Ovechkin, you know, cup run. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, I just think it's just the speed of it, the pace of it, you know, just all the different aspects in a game. I think, you know, I can't really watch football or baseball or <laughs> really like anymore just because I just think it's slow, which I know is not fair to those sports. And it's still fun and there's great athletes, but I just think, the pace of hockey, you know, just how talented they are to be doing all this on skates is something that I think we all kind of take for granted. And um, just seeing, you know, a lot of these guys, like a Sidney Crosby eight times a year 
um, the David Poster yeah. knock eight times a year. Like, we're just so lucky to do that. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me is just the pace, the skill, and, like, all this is on ice. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I've always said for the NHL to to get where it needs to be, they need to promote the game in some aspect more. Um, it needs to be out there because for people who haven't played or haven't watched it, they don't understand the game. And when you don't understand the game and you watch it, you have no clue what's going on. So when you really right. dive in and you get into it, it is such an exciting sport that can really mesmerize people and be very captivating. And I mean, you see it in playoff hockey, but when you watch it regularly, I think you can fall in love with it. And obviously we're hoping that you are falling in love with it because it's such a great sport. Yeah, definitely. I think it's kind of funny because my parents weren't really big sports people in general until I started covering sports. And then I started covering hockey and I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to get into hockey. Like they're not going to be hockey people. And now my mom will like text me every day or like text me before games and or after games. And she'll be like, wow, like they're really moving the puck well or like, Why aren't <laughs> That's they, like awesome. using the boards. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa like calm down. Like I didn't hear an analyst <laughs> now. But um, yeah, I think it's fun. I think I love the sport. And yeah, I would encourage anyone else to watch it. So, <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Growing the game, one uh, one viewer, one fan at a time. Even yeah. if it's your parents, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I could I you know, it, and it's it's real it's really cool to see too because obviously you know me I'm kind of like in my first year of this, um, really trying to make my bones bones in this like this business, not making a cent by the way. Like it, it it's it's. <laughs> You're putting you're putting your your time in after work. You know, I just got to work at a ten hour day. Come home, you know, rush to put not rush to put this together. I knew like I I knew ahead of time, but you know, it's it's an absolute grind, and I couldn't even imagine what it's like doing it at your level, Samantha. Yeah, it's it's definitely intense. I think in a normal season, I mean, my first full season was last year, and it got cut short because of COVID. So I don't think I've had actually a full full season. Um, but it's definitely crazy. It's, you know, you're traveling all the time. You're at every single practice. You're at every single morning skate and game. And um, but I don't know. I think I'm very, very lucky for what I do. I mean, I wouldn't be able to go to some of these cities that I've been in, like in Nashville or a Winnipeg or in Ottawa. Like, when am I going to Calgary? Um, so some of those yeah. things are really cool. And again, kind of like I was saying, like, it's really, I think we take for granted, like, seeing an Alex Ovechkin every night, like, seeing him just that morning skate practice one-timers, like, that's something not a lot of people are ever going to see. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely crazy, but really lucky to do what I do. Well, now, well, now uh, speaking of Ovechkin, obviously the last two years, you know, we're right here in Buffalo right now on the Bills side of things. We're in this thing called Watt Watch because everybody thinks <laughs> that, you know, you know, JJ Watt, there's a yeah. good chance you want to come play here in Buffalo, but you know, want to know what? No shot. After this, after this, I mean, <laughs> Why not? I mean, I think he, I think he, there's genuine interest on both sides. Why not? Yeah. He's definitely a Sean McDermott guy. But you know, stepping away from that, you know, I think, you know, even with last year's short season, shortened season, which sucks, obviously a short season this year, which sucks, you know, all eyes, as long as he stays healthy and as long as he continues to play at the pace he does, which I really don't see any reason why he would. Um, the guy has always been healthy. He's strong as an ox. He's just an, 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 a world-class athlete. Goal, in my opinion, the greatest goal scorer that ever lived. I really don't think there's anything debating it. You know, you know, no. the, the advancement of, you know, training and goaltending and where it's been, where it was and where it is now, just the fact that he's even sniffing that <laughs> record right now is absolute mm -hmm. insanity to me. So is there, I mean, it, it, do, do, you, do you feel that, you know, we're going to be on OV watch here in a year or two? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think I think I've said this a couple of times when I've talked about Ovi and Gretzky. I it's so cliche, but I think he's gonna want to hit that goal as long as he loves playing the sport, and he absolutely loves playing the sport. Like I don't think I've seen a guy who's more excited about scoring a goal than Alex Ovechkin, and it can be a random goal and a blowout. It could be just some random game. Like no offense to the Devils, but like against the Devils on you know a Wednesday night that no one's watching. Um, I just think he loves the sport so much and he really wants to just continue. And I think, you know, he's passing all these legends like Mike Gartner the other Gardner, night. Yeah. He's, yeah. He said something like, you know, like, not like this isn't over, but like, this is only like the first step or the next step. Like he's acknowledged multiple times, like he's not going to stop anytime soon. Um, so we'll see when his next contract goes for, obviously this is his last year, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think we're going to be able to watch soon. I mean, he's 35 and 
right now in 13 games or 10 games played, he has 13 points. And again, like you're, we're talking about 10 games where you, you or four games where you didn't get Novechkin because of them breaking COVID protocol. It just doesn't seem like he's ever going to slow down. Like, no, it's, and just, like, yeah. it's funny. Cause last year, I think we were having the conversation of, Oh, there's no way he can hit, you know, 40 or 50 goals last year and he goes out and hits 48 was probably going to hit 50 with, you know, before COVID. Yeah. yeah. You know, 100%. he's hit, he hit 700 goals. He has like back-to-back hat tricks. I think at one point, like he was just on a tear. And I think it's so funny now looking back that everyone was kind of already questioning Alex and if, you know, he was going to slow down. And so now I'm like, okay, well we can never question that again. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, he's going to continue scoring goals as, as long as he honestly wants to. And, and and here's the thing, like I feel like he's I feel like he's a very humble guy, even though you saw, you know, that insanely entertaining celebration uh from when they won the cup. Uh <laughs> yeah. we had a we had a great time watching here in Buffalo. But you know, I, I feel like he's a humble guy. But like if in two years he's you know at eight hundred, you know, you know, at eight hundred goals, eight hundred plus goals. I think he knows that like do you feel like do you feel like breaking that record is very important to him or do you think if it is if he does it if he does it he does it he does it he does it You know I think that's a good question. I think it's the latter, you know, if he does it he does it, but I think he knows like if he gets close, like he's going to know that everyone's going to keep on talking about it. It's the same thing that happened with 700. Like everyone asked him every single game about 700 and the chase and it was a distraction to the team and all that stuff. So I really do think if he does get close, he's just going to want to go out and do it. So then everyone will stop talking about it. Um, I think it's like a little bit of a motivational thing there, you know, and it's also probably a pride thing, right? Like he's already won a cup finally, you know, now it's this goal that's kind of been hanging over his head for a bit. He's the only player that's even remotely close to it. Um, So why not? And if he's still loving the sport, he still likes where he's at. I don't see a reason why he wouldn't want to go after it. I know he's yeah. got his eyes on the Olympics too, because you know last last time around he was really upset that obviously the NHL didn't participate. So <laughs> yeah. I know he's got his eyes on on gold for the Olympics this uh, next upcoming Olympic Games. No, absolutely. I think um, a lot of players. I think I was seeing something about Nick Backstrom being talked about. You know the Olympics and all that stuff too. I think guys really want to go back. I'm not sure the exact status of it right now or if that's still happening. I know it was kind of worked into their new CBA deal. Um, but with COVID, I don't know how that changes anything or how they're going to, you know, kind of do this season. But definitely think that he would want to go back and um, participate in that. Yeah. I mean, who who wouldn't, right? To be able right. to represent your country on the biggest stage. I mean, that's got to be one gold. of the, the highest <laughs> honors. Yeah. Right. To add to his incredible his resume. You know. <laughs> yep. Um, kind of shifting a little bit more on the uh, fun side before we talk more about the series potentially coming up here. Day-to-day interactions, um, who are some of your favorite guys that you get to maybe talk to, sit down with, have one-on-ones with, uh, as far as for your writing with the Washington Post? And like you said, Draft Morning Skate, is there a certain player or two that you kind of gravitate towards more than the others? Yeah, you know, so it's been tough this year because of Zoom, right? So we're not allowed to, like, just hang out and, like, have normal right. conversations. But last year was cool to just go in and just be like, oh, like, you know, how's your family? How's your dog? Like, you know, random stuff. Like, they're normal people, too. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's kind of funny. I think like a Jacob Brano was, it was a different perspective, right? He's a young guy trying to like prove himself in the league. A lot of people have a lot of expectations for him. So I think that was kind of a good, fun, just like lighthearted conversation. I think for a guy that's always been very steady and honest, it's Lars Eller a hundred percent. Um, he speaks his mind. He knows exactly, um, you know, he has like the pulse of the team. He can kind of just tell you what's going wrong specifically, what's going right can break things down if you have questions yep. so he's been fun you know tom wilson is gonna he's be my, he's my favorite player in NHL. <laughs> oh, i he's, love tom he's, wilson i know he's a the lot guy of people really needs. hate him yes but, <laughs> like no. i he's the most like i say this very honestly like he's probably the most respectful just like player i've chatted with like he's just very nice he's humble he's kind like the exact opposite of what you know people in pittsburgh probably think um <laughs> but no, I just think he's probably going to be the Capitals' next captain once Obi's gone. Um, and I think everyone kind of knows that. So he kind of has taken under that role. Um, and so he's always just a great guy to kind of pick his brain and, you know, all that fun stuff. He's the guy that you want on your team. He's the guy Absolutely. that you need on your team. And he's the guy that 
everybody hates to play against. And every team should have one of those guys. And it's the great teams that seem to always have one of those players. I mean, everybody hates Bergeron and Marshan mm-hmm. and Boston, but those are the guys that are the top guys on the team, but you never want to play against them. And I think Washington's success for so long has been because I call them glue guys, but outside of their superstars of the Backstrom, the OV Kuznetsov, they probably have the best collection of the Lars Ellers, the Veranas, the Tom Wilsons that just add so much depth to the team and can win them games when the other guys may not be performing night in and night out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Brian McClellan has done a pretty good job of kind of getting those reclamation projects. Um, like we like to say, like it was like a Brett Connolly, you know, that came in. It was getting a Carl Haglin. And I know he's not been putting up big production numbers, but having a All guy right. like Haglin, you know, in the room, he has the experience. Um, he can kind of blend, you know, those two together. Um, I think like a TJ Oshie is another guy that's just like a heart and soul guy. Like without TJ Oshie, I'm not sure exactly where this team is. Um, but he just always yeah. seems to be in there in the mix, like, you know, just doing the little kind of gritty things that a lot of players probably wouldn't do. So, yeah, yeah. the Capitals have a lot of those underrated guys that maybe seem big in Washington for people that cover it or fans of it. But outside, you know, the team, people just probably don't know. Right. Exactly. Now, Samantha, I know we got we got to wrap it up here. I know you got a lot going on, obviously, with pregame coming up. Uh, one last thing here is, you know, co- you know, what. Um, you know, coming coming into a, a game like tonight, where again you have a defeat, a very deflated Buffalo roster. You're again missing one of your uh, biggest role players on the blue line. You know, do you do you, do you feel like this is a game that? Uh, do you see feel Buffalo? Like, because we feel like Buffalo, like there's a big lack of emotion. There's a big lack. Not I. I just don't want to say effort, but just passion and emotion. Energy, lack of energy. energy. <laughs> We, we, we hope and we would expect that they come out hot, like hot out of the gates here, especially when, again, Vanacek is in his 12th straight start. Um, do you think that after, you know, if, if Washington can find a way to, you know, you know, get through the, get through the first wave of what Buffalo are you throwing at them? You know, if that makes any sense, do you feel like this should be smooth sailing for Washington? Again, I, I, trust me, we won't be offended if you, if you think this should be a pushover win for Washington. <laughs> We're just no. there. That's where we are as a fan base right now. <laughs> no, it's a good question. I think I think there is a lot of carryover from the Pittsburgh game. Honestly, I think, you know, Peter is such a good motivational coach that I think he's going to use a lot of what he saw against Pittsburgh to kind of, you know, pump up the guys again tonight. I think a lot of things that they were doing again in that four-game losing streak, it was good. It just the results weren't there for them. So I think tonight could be kind of that emphasis on, okay, we have one, let's get two. And before, you know, we face the Rangers and then the Devils in a back-to-back. So they could look at it as it's not a must-win, but I think it's a pretty important game for these guys. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, it, you know, again, we we've played. I believe it's a twelve games so far. We're, uh, you know, seven seven points back from from you guys at, at the moment. I believe. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge two points for Buffalo too, and hopefully they can find a way to get their heads out of their asses here and like really put together a full sixty minutes. Because again, this has been dreadful hockey to watch. Whether you know you're coming out of a COVID protocol or not, you know it's been really, really tough to watch. Me and Mike have a little have had a little bit of back and forth uh, over the last couple of games, and you know I know we're getting Linus Olmark tonight. Um, you know our normal starting goaltender. And uh, sounds like we have Jake McKay back. Well, we're still without Rasmus just to line in, but you know, uh, hopefully we can get our get our get our shit together here and you know give you give you give you guys a full full effort and full sixteen minutes tonight because <laughs> if if they don't, you know, I, I'm probably waving the white flag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it'll be an interesting game. I think for everyone, I think Vanacek's probably the biggest thing to look at for the Caps, just how he does. So yeah, I'll be really interested to see if Buffalo kind of comes out firing. I'm sure they will. Um, we'll see if Anacek can kind of sustain the pressure. Absolutely. Well, Samantha, thank you again for joining us. I hope we get thank to talk you. to you again sometime in the future. You know, maybe the next time next time around they uh, play each other. Uh, but again, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yep. All right. Thank you. And uh, you know, um, Mike, absolutely. A lot of uh, interesting thoughts there from Samantha for sure. Um, you know, we got. Um, you know, what are your feelings, man? I I, uh, I I don't know what to think going into tonight because I love this hockey team. I always have. You know that. Um, 
I, I, I don't know. It's, it's the old cliche of defense wins championships, right? And right now the Sabres are absolutely lost in the defensive zone. I mean, I haven't watched a team in a long time that just puck watches, especially at this level. I mean, you see it in junior hockey. You might see it in AAA when you're playing defense. But I've never seen a professional hockey team, even in the recent years when they were the worst team in the league, they puck watch more than any team I think I watched this year. And I think that's their biggest downfall. And people yeah. say great offense comes from great defense. Well, when you can't defend and you can't get out of your zone and you can't get a clean breakout, whether it's up the wall or you hit the center coming through the middle, you're just going to be having your zone for half the game. Um, and it seems like right now, unless Buffalo gets a power play, it's about the only positive of this team with the fourth ranked power play or what are they? They are the top five. Top five. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They are the fifth-ranked power play percentage at 30.2%. So, I mean, unless they're on the power play, they haven't really generated anything, and I think it starts in the defensive end. I agree. And do you, do you think this is more coaching than anything? Because uh, I, I still can't really put my finger on what Ralph Kruger, you know, how, how like, his system, you know, he, he seems like such an X's and O's guy. We all know how much involved he is with analytics. But right. you see the way he builds this lineup every single game, and it's just really head-scratching. It, it is. Uh, the lines, to me, are the most confusing thing. I mean, to have a solid, solid team, you have to kind of have some sort of normalcy, whether it's in your top two lines, whether it's the top six stays the same and you move them around a little bit. But the way he spreads them around, and, I mean, Tage Thompson, I mean, the guy's a pro hockey player. I only played Division One, But he shouldn't be on a first line. He shouldn't be on a first line on any team in the league, let alone the Sabres, and they're not even good. So, I mean – Oh, God, God. No, and that's it. I mean, when you got guys like that and you're putting them with Jack, I mean, what's it saying to your superstar center who all he wants to do is win hockey games? And you got Tage Thompson on his line. I mean – what kind of message is it sending? And I know those guys like Ralph. I've, I've heard from people. Um, I know some guys on the team and he is a player's coach, but at the end of the day, when you walk in or you're in practice and you got the lineup sheet up on the board and you see Tage on the side of Eichel, I mean, and different guys like that, what, what's it saying? What's the message you're sending to your team? I, I don't know. Um, what really irritated me uh, a couple nights ago was in the post game where Kyle Ocposo went out. <laughs> that third period he flat out says that is what it is it is what it is are you kidding me with that are you got a guy who wears an a on his jersey also where most tenured guy on the team makes six million dollars a year has an a on his jersey and yet is playing 10 or less minutes a night and you have the balls the balls (laughs) to say it is what it is wait me how about you say it is what it is and then the next night you come on the ice and your back check you're gliding through the neutral zone That's he was, and and he leaves that backdoor goal wide open. I think it was Anders Lee who ended up cashing yeah. it, but he doesn't even back check. And after you, after you go in the post game and say, it is what it is. We got to move on. Well, how do you move on when that's the effort you give the next night following those comments? It, it, it's, it's mind blowing. It's clear as day. He's collecting a paycheck at this point. He's collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Is what yeah. it is. And, yeah. and in the same breath, he's not at fault, right? Like Buffalo gave him that contract. Buffalo no. gave it to him, and but at the end of the day, I'm and we're, I'm not going to sit here and knock him because I'm sure the guy is pride. He wants to win. He's probably frustrated, right? Everybody does. Nobody likes to lose. You don't play a professional sport if you like to lose. You'll never make it. But in the same breath, effort, effort, effort is one thing you could control. And right now, the energy and the effort is something that just seems to be at an all time low for this team. It's true, man. And I I wrote an article which is published by Trainwreck. It's flat outside. It's you know. You know, what happened to my hockey? You know, I, I go back 10 plus years, but growing up around this team, you couldn't go down, you couldn't drive down the street, like a main street and look down side streets without seeing somebody start, you know, playing a street hockey game. People wearing Sabres jerseys, you know, Hashik, Pekka, you know, Holzinger jerseys. And then later on, Brie, Vanek, you know, Derek Roy jerseys, Ryan Miller. Jer- you know, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was so, so ingrained ingrained with the culture of this city and you know i remember back even back in uh 98 99 when they were making that cup run i remember getting on the not you get on the 90 over there by the wall in gallery of mall and I'll, like that the, the cement barricade that you you, you yep. you're right and somebody spray painted honk for the cup you know during that 90 like i remember stuff like that and it was just like welcome to palmanville you know the sign like it's just so it's just not existent anymore man and it sucks because, like, 
I developed so many friendships and relationships over the year because of like my love for this hockey team growing up. And I was a shy kid. I was an awkward kid growing up. And, you know, like even like after I got involved with hockey competitively, you know, made friends that way, it was still difficult for me to like, just make may have relationships with people and make friends. Right. I would see people wearing saber jersey or stuff like that. I would strike up conversations, even in college. And it would, would, I I have friends with some of these people to this day and it made life a lot easier for me. Even like in dark times in my life, you always could depend on the sabers to, you know, even if they weren't that good, like they would skate through a wall for you because you know, they knew how hard, how hard we worked, you know, day in and day out to earn our paycheck. We're, we're spending part of that paycheck on them. And the right. players recognize that either, you know, whether it was the Dominic Kashuk era with Mike Pekka and again, like guys like Brian Holzinger, Jeff Sanderson, all those guys, Jason Dodd, Derek Plant, or later on with Derek Roy, Tim Conley, Mike Greer, Jochen Hash, Ryan Miller, just Breer, Drury, all of them, you know, they oh. knew – how hard we worked. And in turn, they went out and gave that maximum effort and, you know, put everything they had, even like, even in the tank year, I remember Mike yeah. Weber flipping out at the fans for booing them. It's like, yeah. where, I want give me that passion. Yeah. Like that passion that he showed flipping out on us when, when they, when they booed him during the tank year, it's just, it doesn't exist. Do you now I'm not a bills fan. I do root for the bills being from Rochester. I'm not a bills fan. Do you think it's because, the Sabres may have a backseat to the Bills in the minds of the in the eyes of the Pagulas. Thousand percent. I mean, that's got that's got to be part of the issue, right? I mean, the NFL is way bigger than the NHL. It is what it is. Everybody knows that. It's no secret. But sometimes, it seems. Sorry, go ahead. You no, know, sometimes I even think that them buying the Sabres was a ploy, a ploy because they already planned at some point in the future buying the Bills. Right. You know, what I mean, like they, they, that was a plan. You know, I mean, because. You know, everybody knows that, you know, knows anything with the NFL is like NFL teams, you only essentially make your money back just through TV contracts. Right. Like it's almost impossible to lose money when you own an NFL franchise. Yeah. And you have a market like the Bills. And obviously with Ralph Wilson, you know, being at the age he was, everybody knew his kids did not want the team. So right. he knew they were selling. So essentially it's like you're buying the Sabres to show NFL ownership owners along along the league because you have to get approval from owners before you can buy it buy a team. Right. That, hey, I already own this team. I can show you that I can sustain it. I can show you that I can, you know, make it profitable, even though it's impossible to lose money. Right. Um, you know, kind of like legitimize themselves as sports owners to people who may not know who the hell they are. That's yeah. the way I look at it. Not, not back then. I didn't look at it like that, but now it's taking a step back and just seeing how everything has played out since they bought the bills. Yeah. That's what I think. And it's, where's the guy, where's the Terry Pagula who said, I'm not here to make money on a hockey team. If I need to do that, I'll go drill another oil well somewhere. <laughs> that was the, that was his quote. Was it not back when he bought the team? He said, I'm here to win. And this team in the city deserves to win. Um, and now it's almost like, the bills are the bills are fine. They're more than fine. You got a franchise quarterback. You have your franchise receiver. You have an unbelievable head coach, players coach. You have an unbelievable GM. It's almost like you don't have to take your focus away from them because they are kind of two different seasons. Let's put all the energy we have into this team, into this franchise. Um, and I just feel like it's a backseat. I mean, it's no. I mean, you hire a what? For what was Kevin Adams working at the hockey academy a few years ago and, and stuff like that? It's it's like there's got to be guys an like, GM. And even Ralph, like, and I've heard from people that Ralph's an unbelievable coach, unbelievable guy to play for, but he was running a soccer team. Wasn't he an organization, a European soccer? So it's like, where where are we going with the team? What's the route we're trying to take with this team right now? It's, it's almost like they're on a test drive. Like they're, they bought a car. Let's take it for a test drive and let's see what we can do with what we have. But we're on our fifth or sixth test drive now. It almost seems like, and, when are we going to find what we're looking for? And I, I don't know, it's nowhere near in the media future. And if I had to guess, it's only going to get worse from here because there's certain guys that I don't think are going to be here for much longer, are going to want to be here for much longer. I, I agree. It's, you know, personally for me, I'm not a big Sam Reinhart guy. I think, you know, I got, I, I got nailed to the cross by some people when I said he like, he likes to ride Eichel's coattails. And I think it's true. 
I think you just a simple eyeball test. You can see it. Like he's, he's not nearly as productive away from Michael as he is, as with Michael. And I think that just speaks to the, t- the type of player Jack Eichel is. That's, you know, he makes everybody around him that much better. Jeff Skinner is making $9 million a season because of Jack Eichel. That is Correct. Like, not even debatable. Not even debatable. And then the first move as a, as a head coach you do is you put him down on the fourth line. Like, it makes zero sense. And that was, I, That's also an impulse signing, right? The guy has 40 goals, so it's you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you yeah, don't sign him. He was getting nailed to the cross no matter what he did there, Botterell, because, you know, how do you let the 40-goal 40, 40, uh, scorer walk? How do you like, – how could you sign him to that kind of, He was getting nailed to the cross there yeah. no matter what, no matter yeah. what. Looking at it now, yeah, I, I I would have preferred not to sign that contract. I was against it from the get-go. I didn't want him. I didn't want to keep him. If you look at his production, even that year he had 63 points, right? If you score 40 goals and you only finish with 63 points, great. You scored all those goals. Jack is a main contributor to that. But he's never had more than 63 points in his entire career in a season. So for a guy who's getting paid $9 million to, at best, put up 60 points a year, it's just nowhere near worth it. But damned if you do, damned if you don't sign him damned after that. Exactly. So and now it's like an untradeable contract. You, you're oh, just, nobody yeah, wants that. Nobody wants that. Seattle, Seattle won't even take that in the expansion draft. I don't think unless you you would think that you would think that you would want him on that top line to try. Yep. If you are trying to trade him, get get you know showcase it. Like, hey, this guy still has it. Nope. It just, this is why I'm so, so perplexed by by Ralph Kruger. And you know, I, I'm sure he talk he talks a big talk. We've all heard it. I'm sure when Terry and Kim first heard him talk, they thought a lot about Sean McDermott and how he talks, you know, to people about the the game of football and how it's supposed to be played and the process and all of it. And I got that impression too from from Ralph. I'm like, you know what, this guy really makes me believe. This guy he can talk. He's he's a great talker. He can control a room. But then you see Tage. Personally, I almost think Tage Thompson. It's like a fluty. Rob Johnson scenario where, you know, you have serious, like hear me out is where ownership, because everybody remembers back then ownership put pressure on the team to start Rob Johnson over Doug Flutie. I genuinely think there is pressure being put on, you know, Ralph and, and Kevin to put Tage Thompson in a role where he can succeed because they are just sick and tired of hearing about how the Ryan O'Reilly deal was such a bust and they're trying to salvage anything they can out of that. Yeah. Anything they can. Oh, what I would do. Could you imagine a one-two punch down the middle of Eichel and Ryan O'Reilly still? I mean, it's just. Is there college or third center? Yeah. I mean, and now what you you keep hearing the, I've heard some rumors. I mean, it's not rumors. It's going to probably happen, but they're going to probably trade uh, Taylor Hall at the deadline most likely, right? That's just a quick flip to get something back for him. So that was fun while it lasted, right? You, you, if, they don't, if they don't turn it around here quick, yeah, that's what's going to happen. I mean, and that's it, that's what irritated me too. Going into this this, this last off season with with this, uh, um, with the you know with the way free agency was, you know you you made a you made a a, a quick decision to sign Gergensen to the contract you did. I Turns hate, out I hate you that guy. I hate by a lot. Um, you've seen these cheap contracts. Uh, I, I don't hate him. Here's the thing: I don't hate him as a bottom six guy. I don't hate him as a bottom six guy. Um, I hate the money he makes. Um, but it's just, for me, it's like, um, if you would have waited it out because he has roots here, he has his wife, you know, his, his family's here, you know, he, he, he set, he set up shop here. You could have let him walk to free agency and said, Hey, we want to bring you back, but you know, we're going to let you, you know, explore the market, circle back, tell us what you could offer. Cause there's no way there's any team offering him 2.2. Or two point three, or two point four, or two point five. We could have gotten him so much cheaper had you let him explore, explore the market, have him circle back. Because there's a ninety nine percent chance he is going to circle back and probably even take less of whatever anybody else is offering to stay here in Buffalo, where his family has roots. You know, it's where he's been here since the start of his career. He seems like a guy who wants to retire here too. I and then I just saw all these like the, the contract Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman, how late did he sign in free agency? He was near one of the last ones to sign, and he was the leading goal scorer of all free agents. All yeah. the free agents that were in free agency, he he had the most goals out of all of them. You saw it like Duclair got one point seven. He was in the All Star yeah. game last year. Come yeah. on, like 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 
it was so frustrating because I saw this as an opportunity. Like, I would just put all our chips in the middle here. Sign all these guys to one-year deals. You already have Hall. You already have a stall in one year. Let's push them all into the middle and try and get the most out of these contracts. And worst case scenario, you flip them all at the deadline and you have a massive amount of picks. But, like, at least you're trying to show teams, players around the league that, hey, we're not a joke. We can still make the playoffs. It's just yeah. a lost opportunity, if you ask me. Yeah, it is. And I think for too many years, I shouldn't say I hate him. Hate such a strong word. I don't like to use that about anybody. I just, I don't know. I've never been a fan of Zemgis, never have. And for too many years, I gave him the Johan Larsons, those guys just repetitive one, two-year contracts, two to $3 million. And I feel like you're just wasting money towards a cap that you can use elsewhere. Um, and then it's no surprise, goaltending wins games in this league. Agreed. Goaltending is the quarterback of the NHL. And if you want to win, you have to have a guy who can make a, what we call as goalies, a save. You need that save each game, that big save that can bail your team out when you're dominating the Ozone. You have a quick maybe turnover at the blue line. You come in two-on-one, boom, you get a big save out of your goalie. Um, I like Linus Allmark. He's not a true, true number one. He's the perfect backup goalie who can, in a full 82-game season, can get you 20 to 30 games and do very well and keep the ship afloat if something happens to the starter or just when it's his time to get in the crease. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury is a backup right now, right? I mean, him and Leonard kind of split. He's been dominant so far since the start of the year. Yep. Why haven't we invested in that position? How long is it going to take for them to see that you can't win without a goalie? Especially with the way the market was for goaltenders this past free agency. There was so- yeah. Have you ever seen that many, like, legit goalies available in a free I haven't not a long time Holpe Lundqvist Markstrom right. and Cam Talbot would have been decent oh uh, Markstrom would have been incredible I love oh my god yeah hockey. you had to pay for it but Markstrom it was worth it to me he was the yeah only goalie. he to me he was the only goalie in free agency you know maybe Robin Leonard that was worth what they got paid 100 percent yeah like, I, I'm not a big advocate of overpaying for goalies because I think it's been proven time and time again that you can win without an elite goalie Ask Montreal how that's going for them right now, paying a goalie $10 million a year. Right. Ask how things are going down in Florida, paying Bobrovsky $10 million a year. I don't agree with it. Not at all. Anything over that, six is too much. Yeah, that money is 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 too much. But Better spent out of the places. However, I, I was uh, listening. I think it was maybe uh, the first game of that Islander series when you talked about that, about those certain guys like Crawford in the Emmy. With that said, you don't need the big goalie. You don't need the great goalie, but you need great goaltending. And they all those goalies oh, sure. gave that in those playoff sure. runs for to sure. win Stanley Cups. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not stating that those guys aren't good or great goaltenders. But no, right. I know what you're saying. When you tier goaltenders in the league, where are you putting Crawford? Right. Oh, 100. percent. You know, 100%, I agree. Even, even Jonathan Quick. Okay, here's the thing. Even Jonathan Quick. He, Jonathan Quick was never a stellar elite regular season goalie, but he was in a phenomenal playoff goalie, and he never made a boatload of money. Big he time goalie. Him. He's yeah. a big game goalie. Yes, when it when exactly. it mattered, he was there. Here's a question for you. Cal Peterson has been starting a lot in LA. That's a team that needs to rebuild. Why not give LA a call about Johnny Quick? I don't agree. Here's another one for you. Why aren't we calling and seeing what John Gibson's up to in Anaheim? Or he was, or I love that. I love that idea. Or because it was rumored he was available before the season started. Darcy Kemper. Yeah. I love Darcy Kemper. I mean, how old's quick now? What's he? He's got to be 32, 33. I'd imagine that. Is he right now? So, I mean, if, if, if Alexander Ovechkin's 35. Tentatively 35. Tentatively 35. <laughs> kidding. We don't really know. We don't we don't know how, you know, it, over in Russia, they do like to lie about he, Yeah, quick he, 30, yeah, quick 35. He's 35 quick. Yeah, the, the nail remember that nail Yakupov story that uh is draft year. There was a lot of conjecture of how old he actually yeah. Johnny knows all about that one. Uh, <laughs> um, um yeah, yeah, 35. But I would take Johnny Quick for two years. Hundred percent sign me up. And it's and it's more than just having a guy, it's having an experienced guy like that. I mean, if you get him in the locker room, two cups, you get him in the locker room, you have a guy like Linus. I mean, I can't watch Carter Hutton play much longer for the Sabres um, because it drives me crazy. There's no in-between with him. He's either really good or really bad, and the majority of the time, I'd say 85% of the time, he is really bad. 
I mean, I look at I'm looking at Quick's numbers right now, and honestly, they're they aren't they aren't great. Um, you know, he's still three and two, uh, 3.42 goals against average, 887 save percentage. But you know, I don't know what that team is dog shit. Yeah, I mean, they got five wins in 14 games this year. I mean, you know what I mean? Like we're we're better we're better than LA, and I think we could probably you know in terms of putting on a better performance in front of a goalie like that. And that's another thing too. You know, Mike, you know, when you have a reliable goalie back there, you play differently in front of them. Yeah. You think this team is playing the same way in front of Carter Hutton as they do in Linus Olmark? No. Absolutely not. Those, those late nineties early with Hashik, you're telling me those teams didn't sell out sometimes offensively because they knew they had the greatest of all time back in net, you know, yeah. bail them out. Yeah, Absolutely. You do. It's just, you know, but when you have a goalie like Carter Hutton, maybe you're gripping your stick a little bit tighter, playing a little bit of a tighter game. You're not willing to take chances. You're not willing to be aggressive. And it's a fact. You you see it with this team. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think Buffalo was so lucky for that little 10, 15-year spurt where they went from Hasek. I mean, they had a couple years in between of like what, Mika Norton and Marty Baron, but then you go right into Ryan Miller. I mean, Ryan Miller's a Hall of Famer. I mean, 100%. so, I mean, you have back-to-back pretty much without a couple of years of stopgaps of whoever yes. you had, but of unbelievable goaltending. And since they've lost Miller, where have we been since we haven't had a goalie? If if you, if you if Ryan Miller has a cup, he is the greatest American-born goaltender ever lived. 100%. Right now, it's, I mean, it, I still think it's debatable right now. I think the only thing keeping him from that is Mike Richter having a cup. And, yeah. you know, Mike Richter being, you know – you know, one of the most, you know, polarizing, you know, yeah. Rangers in New York Ranger history, you know, that, that cup run with Messier, like, you know, that's really sticks out. But again, like I, I think I look at Ryan Miller as like, yeah, man, he, at one point he was the greatest goaltender in the world. Yeah. Wasn't even close. Questionable. It wasn't even debatable. Yeah. And, you know, it's a fun fact here. Here's in the, 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 the gap, the bridge between Hashik and Miller was four goalies. Mike, how many goalies do you think we've been through since Miller left? Oh, man. Let's do this. Uh, since Miller left, let's see. We went – well, obviously, we could start with the two we have now and then backtrack. We had Leonard. I'm trying to – man. It, you know it's you know how bad it is when you can't even remember who played goalie for the Sabres for all those years? You want, you want a quick answer? Yeah. 20. 20. 20 goaltenders have started, for, started a game – for this goal for this team since Miller was traded. And like, I mean, I'll look it up here real quick. But um yeah, Matt Hackett, um, uh, remember him? <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously Leonard, uh Enroth there for a little bit. I was a big Jonas Enroth guy. I actually loved yeah. him for a bit. As a smaller goalie, yeah. How can yes. you not? you know, uh it, it, you know, I'm trying to think. Uh Neuverth, remember Neuver? I used to love Neuverth um because of his helmet. He did an homage to Hashik on one of his helmets. I can't remember. I think I think Neuverth was a Czech goalie. Yeah, I he is. was. And uh, obviously, for obvious reasons, you idolized Dominic Hashik. He did like an homage to uh, to um, to Hashik on one of his helmets. I always thought was pretty cool. So I wish we'd have hung on to him because he was a good goaltender. Hundred percent, he was a good goaltender. Um, but you know, here you go. You know, we have guys like let's see here. Um, it's not really giving me. You know, Adam Wilcox. Who, I, played, I played with him in uh, in Green Bay, like in the, you know, in the USHL. It's it's wild. You have Adam Wilcox here. Uh, you know, front of the program. Connor Knapp played two games. Um, yeah. Uh, Michael Neuverth. We already mentioned him. Anders Nielsen. <laughs> Jesus Anders Christ. Nielsen. Yep, Anders Nielsen. Andre Makarov. Anders Lindback. Nathan Lewin. Um, the, the, the list just goes on and on. These Jason Casdorf, Chad Johnson, Jonas Johansson, and Matt Hackett. It's just, dude, the, I, I remember doing the math on it. Um, you had 20 goalies start a game. I think it was either 20 goal, you had 20 goal. Uh, I think actually, I think it was 20 goalies dressed, 20 goalies dressed, at least dressed. And I think 16 started in a time between uh, Miller and now, which is insanity to me. Yeah, it is, and that's. I mean, if we're gonna look, that's the that's the biggest issue to me. Um, not just being a goalie and playing my whole life, but you can't win without good goaltending in the league. You just can't. No, you can't. I mean, let's see who's who's in tops of the league. Vegas, obviously, we know Leonard Fleury. You got the Blues. 
uh, Blues have uh, Bing, Bennington. You go to Colorado, you got Gru, uh, Philip Grubauer. I'm, the Maple Leafs may be the only one. The Maple Leafs may be the only one that I won't buy them, and not because they're one of our biggest rivals. I don't buy Frederick Anderson I don't in the postseason. I don't, I don't either. I, if if I could take a bet right now that I don't know if any book has it that they get ousted in the first round, I think I would take that. With, with the way the divisions run and like how good of a team they're going to have to play, I mean they could they could run into Hellebuck and the Winnipeg Jets in the first round the way that their division is right now. And if I'm taking one goalie, I'm taking Hellebuck over Frederick Anderson and the Jets in the series like that. I don't. I, I love. I love Hellebuck. Hellebuck. You know, and there's another thing too. So many good U.S.-born goalies in the league right now. Uh, Spencer Knight, uh, up, up, up and coming. You see Hellebuck. You see Thatcher Demko. Just so many good U.S.-born goaltenders right now. And it, it, you know, I, I, I've done the USA Hockey goaltending clinics. Uh, you know, the, uh, the coaching clinics, and you know, they've put a lot of emphasis on you know having uh, almost you know 50% of the goaltenders in the NHL at some point being american born right i think they've done a very good job with that 100% oh yeah i think it's it's going to keep growing and growing um i think as a whole like as a country usa hockey has done an unbelievable job to grow the game and grow the game in certain parts of the country that i mean even like place like arizona and florida those places those are becoming way bigger hockey hotbeds than they ever were even back when I played. And I mean, at, I'm only 27. Look at Jake Ottinger in uh, Dallas. He, he was on a little bit of a heater there. I know uh, Kadobin got a little bit of trouble with the league being late to a practice or team with being late to a practice, but oh, another, another perfect example. I mean, he may not want a cup, but Kadobin, Kadobin came out of nowhere and played elite and got them to the Stanley cup final. He you was know, incredible last year. But still, like it just even even more proof that you just don't need to pay a goaltender eight million dollars a season to win a cup. No, you don't. But you need to pay him at least five or six million. You have to have I a agree. guy. You have to have a guy who you can lean on when you need to. I think I think six million dollars is where I draw the line on a goaltender. Like I know I think I think Markstrom may have made it, it, either right on the dot six or six and a half. I might play around with six and a half depending about your cap situation. But that's that's where I draw the line, man. You can't pay more than that, for my opinion, for a goalie, especially if you if you if you want to build a sustainable success, sustained success like the way Chicago did, the way LA did for a while, the yeah. way Tampa Bay has. Like you just don't want to pay that kind of money for your goaltender. Right, but in the same breath, the Sabers haven't paid a goaltender, and where are we? You know what I mean? Like well, we we're you know we had one, but we sent him. Mm-hmm. You know we let him walk, and you know. You know, you know, went to Chicago or went to the Islanders, then played with Chicago, and now he's in Vegas. Well, I mean, he had his own demons, right? He ended yeah, up getting clean it, and so I mean that that's the thing, and it's just unfortunately for Buffalo, right? Is he had those during the years, and he was well, it was the alcohol, right, and whatnot, yep. and he that's goes right. to re, he goes to rehab, the depression, the anxiety, and everybody goes through certain stuff, and obviously he was struggling with it while he was in Buffalo, and I couldn't be happier for the guy. You know, he's. He, he uh, turn I, his I, life around. I love him. It it sucks that he doesn't wear blue and gold anymore because this team would be a whole different team with somebody like him in I that. Think Robin Leonard and even in that locker room makes a difference. Yeah, just his fire, his passion, how much yeah. he wants it when he's on the ice. I mean, even though he's in Buffalo and he was struggling with with his demons of his own, you still saw that passion night in and night out. Hundred percent, man. I think it makes a difference in locker rooms. I, you know. Oh yeah. I, I, I think we need two or three Mike Greers on this team. Honest to God. Guys, role players, leaders, guys who literally don't take a shift off and will put you in your place if you do. That's what this team needs right now. Yeah. Um, they need a Tom Wilson, right? You need somebody yeah. like that in your locker room. I would even take Milan Lucic at a one, a $1 million deal right now. I Honest to God. It just like I think that's what Tom Wilson is just – you know, minus the scumbag part, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tom Will. That's what that's what Tom Wilson is. He's like a Milan Lucic hybrid. Yeah. You know, he'll 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 destroy you in the corners. He'll 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 own the front of the net and he'll score goals. Yeah. That's what Milan Lucic was in his heydays with Boston. Just I just don't just I don't need the scumbag part side of it. But you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it comes with the territory though, right? You know, you don't mind it sometimes. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tom Wilson is chippy. You know, he'll take a suspension here or there, but he doesn't go out and blatantly just destroy people the way, like, you know, hurt. Like, it's almost like intentionally trying to hurt people the way Lucic used to. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, what sums up the Sabres in the last 10 years is when Milan Lucic runs over your starting goalie and not a single guy tries to go after it. I think that's like, if you look back now, if you could say, hey, what's one moment when you could tell the Sabres are dead and not what they used to be? Yeah, it might have been when Milan Lucic ran over Ryan Miller and everybody just looked at him like, uh, maybe we shouldn't go after him because he's tough. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, the only player, honestly, if somebody took a swing at who, Jack, who was it? Did Gosted go after him? Gosted went after the next day and off a face off. Yeah, but I mean, like that's that's yeah. something you answer the bell right there. Yeah, and it was so scripted too. Like Lucic knew it was coming. Like yeah. it was like, like and like it's just like no, that's not how you handle it. Like the only time I ever disagree with the uh, the way uh, the handling of a st- the, a hit or dirty, something dirty on a star player, you know, was. Back when Bertuzzi took out more, you know, well, well, yeah, that, that should that he should have been locked up for that. That was yeah, disgusting. Yeah, he should have been charged with assault. Yeah, hundred percent. Like he should have never been allowed to play in the NHL again after that. But yeah. you know, the the point is, is there a player on this team right now? If somebody runs Jack or somebody runs Darlene, that's gonna maybe not name Jake McCabe or Ristolainen. I was just gonna say those are the only two guys that have some type of fire and mean streak in them that right. would do that. I mean, Casey Middlestat's going to stand up for you know what I mean? Like, get the fuck out of here. I mean, maybe Stahl, right? I mean, he's been around. He's a tough guy. He's respected. That's that's a guy that maybe. But you look at you go down the depth chart. Who is yeah. who is that guy? Nobody. But even Stahl, like, is he as emotionally invested in this team as he was in the past? You know what I mean? Like, that does he still have that same fire? Like, I don't know. I don't know. He's what? What is he? Thirty-seven now? Stahl yeah. or thirty-six or thirty-seven? Um, and he's he's playing for in better terms, a dumpster fire right now. Yeah. Of- the last time I remember, you know, somebody standing up for Jack was Jack when he, when Jack got in that fight, you know, yeah. trying to create a spark. You know, I remember when Kane fought three guys in one, three times in one night, same yeah. guy, but it was against Florida. It was wild. You don't yeah. see more, man. Like, just come on, just give you know, me something. I used to love Marcus Foligno. You so love him for that. There wasn't a better guy at that time to have a bottom six forward like him who was still decently offensive to where he could produce in a bottom six role, but was just an animal on the ice and didn't wasn't afraid of anybody. I would have lo- I would love to have Marcus back on this team, man. Does he still play? That's that bad. Is that a bad question to ask? I don't even know if I, he's I still- believe he's still with Minnesota. Is he still uh, with Minnesota? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pulling. Um, I want to say he may have even signed an extension in the last like two years, but I'm fairly positive he is still with uh, Minnesota. Let me uh, take a gander here. Yep, still playing with the uh, <laughs> the Minnesota Wild. Let's see what type of season he's having. A 91 birth year. Um, that makes him he's got three points. He's got three points in ten games. You know, but <laughs> how many guys in this like? How many guys on this team have that same stat output? Yeah, but don't provide the fire that Mar- Marcus Foligno would. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, but you know, with that being said, obviously, uh, you know, we're gonna wrap things up here. Um, before we go, please make sure you get to manscaped.com. Use the discount code Trainwreck, all capital letters. T-R-A-I-N-W-R-E-C-K. gets you twenty percent off your. Purchase and free shipping. That's trainwreck, manscaped.com. Uh, Mike, thanks for filling in for Cully today. I really appreciate it. It was, um, a, it was a blast, man. I had an awesome time. Uh, and, and hopefully uh, in you know 42 minutes here, we'll see uh, Buffalo off to a hot start and maybe get a W tonight. Hey, real fast before I go, uh, free plug for Manscaped. I do have it, and it's an incredible product. So everybody out there, go to manscaped.com and get that because it, it is as advertised. Uh, my wife got it for me for Christmas. So it's a great it product. They sent, a, they sent me a care package when we uh, – when we. Uh, the partnership began we thought with a uh, train wreck and manscapes and uh you know it's unbelievable the lotions yep. uh the uh the ball spray <laughs> all yeah the, the lawnmower lawn 3.0 yep yep waterproof use it in the shower Fla- flashlight that. flashlight on yep, it yep. flashlight it's great right yep. you know you never not you need it for on your razor but <laughs> so but again Blake, thanks for joining us and hey, pleasure been, thank you for having me absolutely man uh it'll happen again soon we got a lot of a lot of fun content coming up here at Two Goalies, One Mike, uh, some confirmed former alumni. So stay tuned for that. And this has been episode 52 of Two Goalies, One Mike. Let's go, Sabres. Go, Sabres. Thanks, Dwayne. Not a problem, buddy.
Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.